Hello, friends, and welcome. It's lovely that you're joining me today. If this is your first time tuning in, know that God honors and blesses those who diligently seek His Word and then place it into action within their lives. Or perhaps you're a longtime listener. I want to welcome you back. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. And you know, we learn from the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah says, as the clay is in the potter's hand, and the potter is none other than Jesus, we are the clay in his hand, so are you in my hand. So the verse says, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Friends, this is telling us that Jesus is in full control of our lives. Yes, we have free will, but ultimately control of this world rests within Jesus. So be prepared to power up your life as you join me and others each week as we explore all things pertaining to Jesus. And today we're going to continue on looking at Jesus's healing touch. But before we jump into that, I want to center ourselves now and prepare to enter into God's presence so we can be fully present with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to start off with a blessing that comes from Moses's brother, priest Aaron, directly out of the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. And here, this is Priest Aaron's blessing for us. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, again, I want to welcome you back. Yesterday, we talked about the first of many miracles and how Jesus actually performed seven of the 35 miracles on the Sabbath, which was unheard of with the religious elite. It made them so angry. But what was more important, to do the will of God or to follow man-made rules that they added no work on the Sabbath, whereas the original commandment was to rest on the Sabbath. So let's jump in now. We explored in that first miracle, an evil spirit had was sent out of a man. And if you missed the episode, I would encourage you to go back and take a listen. You'll be glad that you did. It will bless you. But today we're looking at Jesus's second Sabbath day miracle, where he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And we find this miracle recorded in three of the four Gospels. Together, we're going to read one account while we explore the different distinctions recorded by the other two Gospel writers. So turn now to Matthew chapter 8 verses 14 through 17 if you'd like to follow along with our reading. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a high fever, but when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. All the spirits fled when he commanded them to leave, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. 
You see, Peter's mother-in-law is a beautiful example of love being actionable. She immediately responded to Jesus's loving touch and gratitude. She was ready, able, and willing to wait upon Jesus and the disciples by preparing a meal for them. Think back, has God helped you to overcome any dangerous or difficult situations within your life? I know he has helped me many a times. Our response needs to be, Lord, show us how we may serve you being your hands and your feet and your voice. Now, God has promised us all of the rewards of his kingdom. So we should look for ways to constantly serve him and not serve ourselves. Perhaps you've heard about the five heavenly crowns that it's possible that we can earn here upon earth. So let me tell you about them now. The first one is called the incorruptible crown. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. This is for living a disciplined Christian life without compromise. Now, Paul uses the illustration to explain that as Christians, we're running a race in order to win we must focus upon purpose and discipline. In order to achieve this, we must put forth hard work, self-denial, and grueling preparation. As Christian believers, this is how we will run toward our heavenly reward. Our essential disciplines include prayer, Bible study, and worship equipping us to run with vigor and stamina. We're believers who are in it to win it, not ones who observe from the grandstand or we turn out to jog a few laps each morning. No, we go all in training diligently because we know our spiritual progress depends upon it. Have you found in your faith walk that there were times when we must even give up something good in order to do what God wants? We need a balance of healthy discipline and denial. Yet without a goal, discipline is just a form of self-punishment. However, with the mindset and goal of pleasing God, our denial seems like nothing compared to the eternal imperishable reward that will be ours. Now, the second crown is called the crown of righteousness. And recall that righteousness means approved by God. So in Roman athletic games, a laurel wreath was given to the winners. This was a symbol of triumph and honor. It was the most coveted prize in ancient Rome. Although Paul would not receive an earthly reward, he would receive one in heaven. And whatever we may be facing as Christians, whether it be discouragement, persecution, or even death, we know our reward awaits us in heaven. And this brings us to our third crown called the crown of glory. This one is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the head shepherd comes, your reward will be a never-ending share in his glory and honor. The head shepherd here is Jesus, and this crown of glory will be earned at his second coming when he will judge all people. The fourth crown is the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul puts it this way, After all, what gives us hope and joy and what is our proud reward and crown? It is you. Yes, you will bring us much joy as we stand together before our Lord Jesus when he comes back again. 
And finally, friends, our fifth crown is found in two places, James chapter 1 verse 12 and Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. James tells us that God blesses the people who patiently endure testing. Afterward, they, meaning we, will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What we know is that God's crown of life is not glory and honor here on earth, but the reward of eternal life, living with God forever. The way that we as believers remain planted in God's winner's circle is by loving Him and staying faithful and true, even under pressure, even when the world tells us what we're doing is wrong, but we know within our heart and our soul that what we're doing is right. Furthermore, Revelation chapter 2 verse 10 expands more. Jesus said, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison and put you to the test. You will be persecuted for 10 days. Remain faithful even when facing death and I will give you the crown of life. You see, persecution is a byproduct of Satan. It does not come from God. Satan, the devil, will cause believers to be thrown into prison and even to be killed. But believers need not fear death because it will only result in receiving the crown of life. Satan may harm our earthly bodies, but he cannot harm our spiritual selves. Satan's got nothing on God. The reference to 10 days is not literal, rather it's indicative that the persecution would be intense and while that may be going on, it will be relatively short. And you know, we saw in the book of Job that Job's persecution was just utterly crazy, but they say it probably only lasted all in all nine months. So there's balance, right? And we also know that God will remain in complete control of any situation. So now that you know it's possible to earn and store up crowns in heaven again, they're the incorruptible crown, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, the crown of rejoicing, and finally, the crown of life. You might be wondering what in the world will these crowns look like, or perhaps what's their value? Well, recently, King Charles and his wife Camilla of the UK were honored as he acceded to the throne upon the death of his mother. And each one of them were wearing a crown, and I had heard estimates of around $80,000 per crown, and that's US dollars each. While they're not going to be able to take their crowns to heaven, our crowns will be priceless. Better than their value will be the fact that these earned crowns are going to be our gifts that we lay at Jesus's feet when we get to heaven. That's going to be our offering to Jesus. So we earn them, but as a gift to Jesus, we freely give them back to him. Can you imagine how many crowns are laying at his feet? The Gospel of Matthew continues to show Jesus' kingly nature. Through a single touch, Jesus healed when he spoke a single word. 
evil spirits fled his presence. Jesus has authority over all evil powers and all earthly disease. He also has power and authority to conquer sin. There will be no more death or sickness. Sickness and evil both are the result of living in a fallen world. And you know what is so encouraging about this is scripture teaches that as children of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have the same authority. We also have authority to speak and for evil spirits to flee the presence of wherever we are at. We have the authority to overcome earthly disease. We have the authority to overcome sin. So friends, we are so empowered and and many people just don't even recognize the power within that they have. I mean, greater is he that is within us, meaning the Holy Spirit living inside of us than the spirit that's in the world, meaning the spirit of demons or Satan. We have a greater spirit. We have been commissioned and told that we can trample upon scorpions and serpents. And that's not literally talking about a scorpion or a serpent, but that's talking about demons or um, any, any Satan, demonic evil that's out there. We have the authority with the word of God to trample upon that. Take that in. That is so powerful. Now, in reviewing Peter's eyewitness account, it's important to note that Peter was an original disciple of Jesus. In fact, he was one of the 12. And more importantly, he was even on the inside of Jesus's inner, inner circle of three. He had that inner circle of three, and then he had the 12, and then he had the 70, and it expanded from there. So we're going to find his account to be the same as Mark recorded. So by Peter reinforcing for us Jesus's kingly nature, we saw yesterday how a single word caused an evil spirit to depart from a man. And today, Peter's mother-in-law was healed with a single touch from Jesus. And again, that's what we can do. We can minister touches of Jesus to other people. One day in the future, God will remove all sin. There will be no more sickness and disease or death. Jesus's healing miracles gives us a taste of what's to come in God's kingdom. We're going to peek into one more account to see if any detail is changed in the third recording of Peter's mother-in-law's healing. This one comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Now, in Luke's account, and keep in mind he was a physician, he records that Jesus spoke to the fever, rebuking it, and she was healed. So we learn from this that disease is the attachment of demonic oppression. Jesus's word rebukes the spirit that was causing the fever. Immediately strength and healing come back into Peter's mother-in-law. God wants his children healthy so that we may serve others. Now, I hope that you've enjoyed our miracle story today and that you're going to join me back tomorrow as we look at another one of Jesus's miracles that occurred on the Sabbath when he healed a deformed hand. And friends, if you've not been spiritually reborn, Jesus made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in God's son, Jesus. 
Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. See, all of our blessings, friends, everything we have, like we are the righteousness of God, but not because of anything that we have done. We're approved by God because of everything that Jesus has done. So we are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. I hope that you catch that important distinction. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed on to Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift kindness back to Jesus, but what we can do is we can show him gratitude by growing in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can make efforts to obey him and deepen this relationship that he is so willingly and lovingly wanting to participate in. So today, friends, if this is you, I'm encouraging you to take a bold step of courage, openly confess your faith in the object of Jesus, not in church, not in religion, but in Jesus. Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, come into my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sins upon that cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And consider growing in a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers. Now allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your lifetime. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the grace and peace of God Love Wins will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast is scheduled to air on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you may have grown up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into all kinds of topics. So I'm inviting you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark together on an adventure of exploration of all things Jesus. If you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe so you'll get the latest releases as they become available. And friends, if you want more of a rigorous deep dive into the Word of God and you want some stories to go along with it, I encourage you to pick up a copy of my book. It's also the same name, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. And if the content inspires you or you find it compelling, I think that you'll enjoy it. And importantly, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me because you're not going to be disappointed. It's full of God's word waiting for you to read it. And you can find it at pampastorcopywriting.com or on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or even dorrance.com. Until next time though, friends, remember that you have been marked 
and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And the Apostle John gives us this revelation or blessing coming straight out of the last book, last sentence in the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.